Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Goat Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R E D X dot B Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Lab Coach Agents, welcome back to another what is going to be fantastic podcast episode. Ladies and gents, I am bringing uh, to you today one of the top agents, top 10 to be exact, in the San Francisco market, which if anybody is familiar with that market knows that is not an easy market to be in the top 10 in. She is also in the top 65 in the entire country. And so if you folks want to learn from the best, we talk about this all the time on this podcast. We talk about it all the time on Lab Coats. There's a reason why you're there. There's a reason why you're here. And that reason is to learn from some of the best, to learn from some of the people doing wonderful things. And I am very excited today to bring you not only what I just described, but also a great friend, Ruth Krishnan. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I also really, really learn a lot from other agents. So, you know, I, a long time ago, when someone first asked me to speak really early in my career, I was like, oh, do I want to share those things? And then I thought, you know, you got to keep giving, right? Like you learn from other people. So I've realized like, just open up your kimono and like, give it all. And then other people will do the same thing for you. And that's how we all make each other better and stronger. So I love, I, that. I love, I love that you just said that. So before we kind of, you know, tell our audience, you tell your, our audience about yourself, you brought up a great point. And we were just talking about this before the show. We don't always interview just high producing agents. Usually it's a coach or it's somebody who has experience in something very specific. But today we don't have that specific agenda. Ruth is not selling you at the end. We're not going to say she's selling some platform or selling something. She's truly just coming here from contribution. And oh, by the way, we met at Closing Table Mastermind. That's where we've become friends. And I think both of us can say because of that affiliation, because of those friendships, because of those alignments with those people, very successful people, we both can say like sharing is just what we do. Collaboration is now what we do. And that's why Ruth's here today. So you need to stick around to learn from somebody who absolutely crushes, but is also going to tell you how much of a struggle it has been. And we're going to prep you for crushing 2021. But before we get into that, Ruth, Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. How'd you come up with the business? How do you find yourself where you are today? Well, I grew up in a little small town in Missouri. I'm one of nine kids and really kind of grew up without food on the table at some moments and wanted to make it out of that life and look for a better life for myself. So after college, I moved out to San Francisco, totally didn't know anyone, found some 
roommate on Craigslist, luckily two guys that never hurt me and are now my friends because I was very like naive little girl and uh, just made my way. It kind of stumbled into real estate like a lot of us, right? Like, I don't think you ever go to college or you're in high school being like, I'm going to be a real estate agent. So um, I, I actually went into interior design for a while. And then in 2008, my business totally fell apart and I was pregnant. And one of my friends that was the top agent was like, you'd be awesome. You should do this. And I was like, huh? Okay. Well, I don't have anything better to do. No one's going to hire a five month pregnant woman that in the middle of like the big recession, so I said, oh, I'll study this and learn it. And it ended up being this very nice combination of every skill set that I had of sales and design. And I've never really looked back. So it's been it's been a really, really fun and rewarding journey. So but when, not always easy. I was gonna say when everybody <laughs> was getting out of the business 2008, you decided to get in. That's that's a sign of you didn't know any better at the time, uh, which is pretty awesome. So Where'd you start? Like, did you start? Did you join a team? Did you join a brokerage? What, where did you start? You know, at that time in San Francisco, teams are very in vogue now in San Francisco, but at that time there were no teams. Um, so I just started as a single agent. And, you know, I, the guy who kind of recruited me, I joined the firm that he joined and um, just started kind of like looking. They would give me a list of here's a business plan that you should adapt and here's some things that you should do. And so I just started kind of going down that list. And I remember my broker saying, she's like, well, you're either going to be one of the best agents in the business, or you're going to fall flat on your face because this is like a really hard time to start selling real estate. And luckily here we are. It's been a really, really good journey. But those first two years of getting started, it was, it was the hardest thing I would say that I've ever done. And I've had two natural childbirths and <laughs> been through some hard times, but it, it was really challenging because, um, you know, I realized my identity was a little bit tied up in my income. Suddenly I had no income. I was working really, really hard, like 60 hours a week for years at a time before, you know, money ever happened, right? Like I think the first year I made $24,000, and I spent $24,000 on my son having a nanny that year so that I could work. And then the next year wasn't really that much better. And so, you know, there were definitely times where I was just like, maybe I suck. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. My friends would be like, what do you mean you're working all the time and you don't have money? How do you work and not have money? And I'm like, welcome to commission sales, you know? So it was it was definitely a challenging time, but I'm grateful that I stuck with it. That is a great place to set the table, which I actually need to digress for a second and give you trouble because you you talk about coming from Missouri as being this horrible thing that <laughs> here I am in St. Louis, Missouri. So I am going to never let you I for, let that down. I forget we have that in common. Well, St. Louis is very different than Fulton. So this is true. This is true. Yeah. For those that don't know, Fulton's like very rural. So um, yes, yes, that's true. So, okay. So let's set this table because uh, we've got probably agents of all shapes and sizes. And by shapes and sizes, I mean success uh, stories that listen to this. And there's probably many that are relatively new um, or struggling. And so it's always great for them to hear from somebody like yourself who, first of all, let me just point out to our listeners, like you think it's hard 
during a pandemic, which we're going to talk a little bit about, imagine starting during a financial crisis, like a crash. And any of us who lived through 0708 and were adults know that it was a pain in the ass. Like it was a big time, especially if you were in our industries, mortgage, title, real estate, right? It was hard. So talk to our audience and, and kind of give them some advice. So for that agent who is struggling, that agent who is, is brand new, like, where do you go? Where do you start? And, and, and obviously related to now versus then, but maybe tie the two together. So I think that, I mean, the really cool thing about real estate that's different than design where I fell flat on my face is that there's, there are templates everywhere and so I think, you know, whether you're listening to this or different things on lab coats and, you know, just give yourself a template, set up, this is my plan for this year and follow it as best you can. And, um, you know, you may only get 30% of it done, right? But a business plan has to be looked at more than in the beginning of the year on January 1st, and then you don't get it out until next December. And we're like, oh, here's all the things I missed. Like it needs to be looked at constantly. So I think I have something on my calendar called thinking time, which this morning I did on my bike. And it that's a time where an hour, two times a week, I'm just looking at my business plan. I'm deciding like, I have specific questions that I ask myself of like, what's getting in the way? What do I need to do differently? Like twice a week. Right. So I think just having that time where you're, you're not in the business, you're out of the business and looking at the business and deciding and making a choice. Um, and not, this is something that I am promising myself for next year, not being afraid to think big. So I actually realized I was having um, a text conversation with our friend, Carrie Shaw. And I remembered the previous year she had texted and said like, next year, we're going to sell a thousand units. And I was thinking like, I'm sure you will. Right. But I was like, wow, that's really big. Cause I think the previous year she had sold like 670 and, um, and we were just texting recently. And she's like, I think we might miss our goal by 30 units. And I was like, remind me again, what you did last year. And it was like, you know, 670 or something. And I was like, I just was like, I'm not thinking big enough because I, I looked at my business plan right now. If I showed it to you, the number on my business plan is exactly the number that we're at in this moment, the, the exact 133 million. Wow. So like, what would it have been if I would have made it 180, right? Like it, I was just thinking that like, I think every year, you know, I raise it a little bit, but like maybe there's a fear of failure there in terms of like not thinking big enough. So this year I told the team, I'm like, you know, we did 133 this year. We're going to do 186 million next year. And that's where this is going to put us. And now I need to figure out how to do that, right? I have to work backwards and make sure that's a plan. It can't just be, you know, pie in the sky. You need a plan for how it's going to happen. So is that, did I just read or hear you correctly in the sense that you said, essentially, you caught yourself that you're making goals that are achievable. But you're saying that you now are telling yourself you need to make goals that are much bigger than that. And if you don't hit them, like, and I've heard this before, I don't know exactly how it was said, but it's like you set a goal so big that if you don't achieve it, you still crushed last year's numbers, right? It's something to that effect. Yes. Is that kind of yes. the mantra that you're now following? Yes. Aim for the moon and fall on the stars or whatever it is, right? You know, it just it, consistently what I've seen in the last 10 years and is that 
when I've written goals and I do do five-year plans and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, they seem unachievable, but I constantly am shocked by achieving them. And so why not set them a little bit bigger? You know, like if you're getting what you're writing down, just write down something more. Why not? You know, it doesn't hurt. Like, I think it's a fear of like, oh, we couldn't possibly do that. But what if you could? Yeah. Well, and and so as as someone who's now going through this and is doing it, and and you're not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but what what do you think the psychology is behind that? Because I'm sure there's somebody listening to this right now thinking, oh, gosh, no. Oh, gosh. Like, like I think the thought, and I'm just spitballing here. Is it the is it the sense that they failed? Like I set a goal for X, you know, let's just say 20 million for just a Midwest agent, which is a big goal, right? They they did 10 last year and they're gonna double it to 20. That's daunting. Doubling is daunting. But if you hit 17, you didn't fail. You actually did pretty good. But what is what do you think the psychology is behind doing that? I, I mean, I think that in some ways, I mean, there's a, I'm not a super woo woo person, but I do believe in a little bit of brain magic where when your brain has something as a target, sometimes it just figures out what to do, but you do need to focus on it, right? Like what you focus on does expand. And so it's not going to be that one time setting that business goal. It's really that constant attention to like, okay, if, if your goal is 20 million, then, you know, that's, you know, let's say 1.5 million per month. And how many transactions is that for you based on your average price point? What does that come out to? And every month looking at that, I mean, my team and I look at the numbers every single week. It's like, okay, here's the goal. Where are we? What did we do last year? Like what's happening? What else do we need to do? And so I just think that constant, constant focus is going to get you there. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's funny because I just actually did a post earlier today uh, to a social media group that we're both in, right? And and the, the question was, and there was a reason behind it, but it was, do you set goals? And I don't, I'm not going to get into the, the, the weeds on this, but the, the point of it was for me, for my psychology, if I set a goal, whether it's how many miles I'm going to run, you know about that one. Um, if it's a physical goal, if it's a professional goal, if it's a social media goal, if I set something, uh, then it triggers something like, okay, failure is not an option. Like figure out how to get there. And, but then I have to stop and pull myself back and think to myself, okay, not everybody listening to this, for example, might be wired like I am. They may not be as neurotic as I am. And I'm not even sure. I've seen where your you, spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm not sure where you <laughs> fall on the spectrum, but where do you think you fall? Like, so what, what advice would you give somebody who says, okay, Jeff, I get it. You're just psychotic. Good for you. I'm not wired that way. Um, how would you get somebody to trip their wire to get themselves to do what you're doing, which I don't want to beat this horse, but I think it's interesting because it's coming from a horse, the horse's mouth in this case of somebody who's, who just did it. Like, what, what would you tell somebody, a young agent that says, gosh, Ruth, this is crazy talk. You may, I mean, you may need an accountability partner, right? I think that I mean, I don't know if you, you need that, Jeff, but I need all kinds of accountability. And I've set that up in every area of my life. And, you know, I run a team, but my team totally keeps me accountable. And we're constantly setting up systems together to keep each other accountable. So just having that group around me that, you know, is, you know, this is what we're committing to this week. And, you know, we have text threads that are going and different things like that. And if you're not on a team, 
then you can set it up with another agent, right? You can have, you know, one of, one of the biggest, one of the not biggest, but a pretty large source of my business actually comes from other agents in other areas. And we have all kinds of accountability and support groups and, you know, kind of masterminding that happens. And so you can do that. And then maybe you're getting closer to those agents and businesses coming from that too, right? So there's all kinds of win-win things. And so, you know, I think accountability is huge. Like if you, you know, either hire a coach or have a friend or are on a team, just making sure that you have that those systems set up. Cause I notice that I, I don't think I'm really far on the spectrum for being like hardcore, but I do, you, know, you need to know what works for you. And I do feel like accountability works for me. So I feel a sense of like, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to be the slacker. Right. So for me, I know that motivates me. And so I've set up a lot of systems in my life that have that constant accountability as part of it. Love it. I love it. So where you, you mentioned something, uh, which was you have referral partners. And so it's like, you almost set up a group. How did that come about? How did you, how did you go about setting that up? And how would you recommend somebody who might be thinking, I never thought about that? Oh, I think it's, I mean, it's honestly one of the things that's nearest and dearest to my heart. So I, I set up when, when I first entered the business, I was in this coaching program and I, I don't think I had sold a house yet. But I like, you know, was listening when people would say, I'm from here, I'm from here. And then I kind of walked around the room later and said like, hey, I tried to find people who were at that point doing like $10 million. So that were like kind of getting started in the business, but we're doing, you know, okay or pretty well, like in this area, right? The average price point's like 2 million, so, or 1.5. So 10 million is not that many transactions as it might be in a lot of places, Um, but then I said, like, let's have, like, every time we come down here, let's have lunch together and brainstorm and have like add value to each other and figure out how to push each other along. And so that was my first one. And these, I I think people like to be organized and that's the skill that I've realized, like I can do that. I can put people together. I can follow up on calendars, that sort of thing. And so by the way, I got an eight and a half million dollar deal out of that group when I was like newish. Game, game changer, game changer. Even, even in San Francisco, that was a big number. That house is now worth like 15 million. But now fast forward to, I think three or four years ago, I was like, I want to take this to the next level. I want to set up a better group of agents who are, I had kind of surpassed those agents. So I was like, I want to set up something where people are, have surpassed me. Cause I always want to be the dumbest one in the room. Like always, always, always. And so at that point, I think that year I had done, I want to say 59 million in sales. So I was like, I don't want to have anyone in the group that's less than 80 million, right? So I looked around the surrounding areas and started making calls and saying, you know, hey, would you meet with me and talk about this? And, you know, because I am constantly learning and, you know, going to things like closing table and doing this stuff, I do have a lot of value to add to those conversations. And so I was saying like, here's some things that I'm doing. And they were thinking like, wow, this girl... Maybe she's not quite at my level, but she's, she's a hustler and there's stuff I can learn here. And so they, at that time, there were five, four or five agents and they were all doing around 80, some of them a hundred. And so we started meeting for a monthly lunch. And now that group has gone from five to nine agents. And I think the top agent in the group does 300 million. 
And the bottom agent in the group does probably around a hundred or 120 or something like that. Wow. So that group is giving me about 25% of my hundred and, you know, $40 million in sales. And even if, and even if you hadn't gotten one referral from it, there's still a ton of value in that group because you're all collaborating and sharing ideas. They're like, I mean, they're literally like my board of directors. Like we are texting all the time. Like, do you have this contract? Like, what do you do in this situation? Like we're constantly, you know, it's just been so, so, so valuable to have those people who are at your level and are willing to share because we're in different markets. So there's no competition. It's like, you know, right now we're working on hiring a a copywriter as a group that everybody has access to and can kind of like share the content because we're not, we're not competing. So it's like, why not share this information? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I I love this uh, because I was expecting something more elaborate and that is why I love it so much because it's so simple. So when you, when you said, cause first of all, I was thinking, okay, San Francisco, big market, you're going and, and collaborating with people literally outside of your state for people moving to San Francisco, but no, there are people and you're meeting for lunch. Clearly that's not the case. They're all within the area, right? They're within an hour's drive. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. And so even if you're not, okay, so if you're in a big market, that's very easy to do because a lot of you have different uh, different areas that you focus on. Not that you wouldn't take a deal an hour away, but I guess that's, that's the point of this. So I, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when you started this, and this goes back, what I wanted to say was, is like surround yourself with people that you said it, d- that are doing more than you. Like that is so freaking important. We, we've, we've talked about this before. Why drive it home, like always be leveling up. Uh, this is why you and I belong to a thing like Closing Table because there really is no leveling up from there. It's the best of the best, but it's always recycling and there's new people coming in, which is why we're, it's so valuable for us. Uh, but always be leveling up. And so, okay, agents sitting here listening, thinking, all right, Cool. I can go get the list. I can go get the statistics and see who's doing what. Are you meeting with people intentionally from different brokerages? Number one and and one A, but they're competition, Ruth. Why would you want to talk to them? Why would you want to collaborate with them? And number two is was there some sort of strategy other than the amount of business they were doing? So there's actually kind of three questions there. Yes. I wanted people who I mean, there's sometimes are people actually there was there was someone who I had in the group because she was actually doing like 200 million and I swear to God, she would show up and it was like, she just started yesterday and it was just bringing the whole group down. And you're like, how, and she was doing more business than anyone else. But I swear she, she took so much energy from the group and had nothing to offer. And ultimately we shut the group down and restarted somewhere else without her knowledge. (laughs) So, you know, you want to have people who are collaborative and actually have stuff to offer. And I think at that time, I just thought like, well, gosh, if you're doing 200 million, you must have a ton to offer. Like, how could you not be amazing at business? And I I would think in most cases that was true. And this one, it wasn't. Um, So, you know, and I did like vet the people, right? I had either I met with them in person or we had like a very long conversation on the phone about like, you know, business practices and what they were doing and that sort of thing. So you just, you know, you try to do your best and, you know, you want to pick people who are giving back. Um, One of the people who's in the group, she actually owns a brokerage and she has 
a brokerage in San Francisco. And I was setting it up not only to learn from people, but also to get business. And I remember, you know, one of the people in the group was like, oh, we should bring in this person. She's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm never going to get business from her. But then after I met her, I was like, wow, she's really awesome. Who cares? And um, guess what? I actually have gotten more business from her than almost anyone in the group. So that's kind of interesting, right? Like she has her own company that she could refer business to, but she actually refers it to me probably because she feels a lot more connected and bonded with me and knows that I'm going to knock it out of the park. Well, and the reality is you bring up a good point. The reality is, is it's not like you get paid any more of a referral by referring it inside versus outside. You all, every realtor is essentially an entrepreneur anyway. You're basically self-employed. You're just hanging your hat somewhere. Uh, it's actually a really good point. I mean, that's that's like that limiting belief that you need to stop thinking and just go for it. I love that. You So you basically said, I had a limiting belief. I put my guard down for a second. I said, hey, what the hell? What do I have to lose? And you did it. And I, I would say probably the same applies because I wanted to ask you this. I feel like there's probably a lot of intimidation. Like, okay, I look at list and, and you know, Jane Doe is always number one. She's on the billboard. She's winning the awards every year at the, at the functions. Uh, she's, I've seen her all my career. Uh, she's not going to take my call. What would you say to somebody? Oh, like yeah. That? I mean, there, so one of the people who's in the business, who's in the group now, I've asked her, I asked her three times over like a five-year period to join the mastermind. I think the first couple of times, like she never took or returned my calls. Um, <laughs> and she was always, I think from the time that I started asking her, she was always like over 200. Um, and I just, I just didn't give up. And as the rest of us like kept growing our business and now are more at her level, I think she's finally found you know, like, okay, I guess, you know, these are my peers. I'll go hang out with them. And she's been such an amazing, amazing part of the group and is such a share and a giver. And, um, you know, it's just, everyone is giving, giving so much. It's just, it's so powerful. And honestly, it's like one of the things that makes my heart so full. Like if I didn't get any business from it, it would still be such an amazing part of my life because, we're just sharing so much and helping each other so much. It's such a testament too, because I think so many agents are so stuck in their own brokerage and I don't care what brokerage, you know, I'm, I'm agnostic. I love them all. I love everyone. And so if you're listening to this and you belong to that brokerage that stays really tight knit and almost doesn't want you to go outside of it, I would question, and I can do this because I'm in the mortgage business are you at the right brokerage? I mean, is that really what you, I mean, listen to this, listen to Ruth, did 350 million last year. She's in the top 65 of the entire country. And she's telling you right now, broaden your horizons and collaborate with those around you. The ones that you want to collaborate, just because they're in the same brick and mortar building with you doesn't mean they're the right person to collaborate with, right? Uh, that's Ruth, that's powerful. Well, and if they're in your own market, so actually I have a mastermind today that's in, they're in the San Francisco market. And I think we have, I don't know where everybody ranks now. When we started it, there was 11 of the top 25 agents or something. And, you know, people's numbers bounce around over the years, but that group is, I mean, it's good, but we're competitors and we act like competitors. People do, I mean, especially like I have the comparison, right? Like people aren't sharing contracts or like, 
you know, one of the people in the group, you know, she had this amazing video that she did. And I was like, wow, this is so awesome. Like who did it for you? And she was like, oh, it was somebody on my team and come to find out like, no, it wasn't go figure. Cause it was like super, super high level production quality, but like, she didn't want to share the vendor with me, which I, you know, so it, that kind of stuff, like I would do that with someone in my market and I have 100%, but that kind of stuff is going to happen where people are just more guarded because they, they, I think there's more than enough business to go around, but there are things that I wouldn't share with that group that I definitely would share with the other group. Yeah, no. And you're right. I mean, there is no, anybody who thinks there's a secret or that what you're doing is this, this, this magical fountain of youth you're wrong. There's I don't no care. A hundred percent. You're wrong. And, and you and I both know this. I, we talk to successful people. There's a reason why successful people stand on stages and share their quote unquote secrets, which, cause they're not secrets, they're strategies. The reality is for the majority of you, they know you're not going to do or put in the <laughs> time and effort that it's going to take to do what they did. And that's why they're not afraid to share. Am, am I right? I think you're right. I mean, I, I like to think that I've evolved past that and I'm like, please do it. I hope that everyone does do it. But in term, when I'm doing it in my own market, I, I am thinking more that way is like, well, who's actually going to do this stuff? Like I've stood up on stages and been like, here's my list. Here's, here's the words I use in my listing presentation to get 6% to my competitors. Right. So, I mean, I remember when I was first doing that and I was like, oh my God, am I really going to do this? I'm like going to give away my like listing presentation, the coveted thing of the industry. But you know, it's there, there, it, a lot of it is how you deliver it and the confidence that you deliver it. And even if someone writes down your exact script, I mean, we've all like heard scripts before and the amount of practice and stuff that it takes in order to really, really knock it out of the park on those, on those scripts. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay. So first of all, this has been great. I love this. I love this conversation because I didn't, we didn't know we were going to go down this path and I think it's <laughs> powerful, but so we've kind of talked about how you've gotten to where you are, which, which, you know, I think, I think both of those strategies is, is obviously very powerful, but let's talk about the now, like, where are you going now? We're coming out of the weirdest year ever. It was probably a great year for many, just by chance. Um, but you know, we're running into, there's going to be some hurdles. Like there's going to be people that are going to be losing their houses. There's going to be things that happen as a result of 2020. So where do you go from here? Like, what is, what are your strategies? Where are you going and what do you recommend agents do either a to maintain the momentum or B dig themselves up and out and get going? So I feel like San Francisco is always an anomaly market. And this usually we are a market that's like coming out stronger, staying longer, like than any other market. And this year, I feel, I know that we're the market that's actually one of the markets that have been hurt. Well, a lot of other markets have flourished, right? Like San Francisco and New York, like these very metropolitan cities. I don't know how St. Louis is doing, but we have a lot of people like moving out. And so there's been a lot of very hard conversations and it's also, San Francisco has also been probably one of the strictest areas in terms of like, we're still pretty much home, you know, like, so we haven't really like, nobody's going to the office. Like we're probably getting ready to go into another shutdown would be my guess is what I'm hearing. And so 
initially like that first round of shutdowns where I think we had six weeks where we weren't allowed to basically leave the house except for to go to the grocery store. And um, I kept my whole staff at that time. And that was very scary. I looked through all my expenses and I was like, okay, like, what can I cut? Like I paused Yelp, like, you know, there were the things like, what's like, where can I shave anything down? That's not my team's. And then I just, um, like we, we all worked, like we, we figured out systems, we developed things. And what I was seeing around me, even from the top agents is that a lot of people were kind of like, they're taking what I call a snow day, right? They, but the snow day turned into a snow eight months, right? Especially because things haven't really, they're opened up, but it's still hard. And, um, and so, you know, we really spent time like, okay, what are the projects that we haven't gotten to do for a while? Like, let's do them. And like, we were just like, would have text chains and video chains and all this stuff to like stay tight knit. And I would say that as a culture, we have a better culture than we ever have, even though we haven't hardly been in the same space. So I'm so, so excited and proud of that. And the fact that we were able to you know, when we came out of shelter in place, we were 30% behind our numbers and we're going to end ahead. So I think that's huge. And so looking forward, now I want to look at like where business came from this year shifted dramatically. And so that's really, really interesting. Um, so last year in 2019, which I guess is the year before last at this point. So 2019, 14% of our business came online, which of 130 million, the rest were like various buckets, the realtor bucket, previous clients, you know, current clients, B2B. That's the primary categories this year, 70% has been online. So then guess what? Cause we're doing almost the same business. All those other categories have like gone way down, right? Like do I have a less good gifting program? Am I doing less like email marketing touch points? No, but people are not at the water coolers and they're not like having dinner with their friends or having these B2B dinners. And I think there's less casual conversations happening. And so what I'm looking at for next year is I'm getting all that back, all of it. And then some, and, and I'm keeping the online, I hope. So that's, I feel really confident that we can like blast it out of the park. So actually I'm looking to start the year with like even more staff. We're going to staff up and we're going to be ready to, cause I, I will not take business that I cannot service with like absolutely amazing level of customer service. And, you know, I think, I mean, this year we, we've been, we've been busy. And um, so I just want to make sure that we're staffed, ready to go, starting to train and so I'm looking forward to really, really killing it next year by putting a renewed focus. I mean, coming into 2019 on my business plan, one of the things was, you know, we're going to have all these social gatherings. Like I was like, I rented, I had set aside like movie theaters. I'm going to do all this stuff and, you know, do those client events. And just, it was like going to be the year of events. I was like, okay, I'm going to like totally hit this. One of my old coaches, he was telling me he closed 500 transactions this year and 90% was from sphere and past clients. And I was like, God, I'm totally like, I'm missing it. Right. Like I am not getting that. And, and I'm only doing 70 transactions. 
So like that is just a massive opportunity loss. And he did that actually during COVID, but I think things are a little different in Tennessee in terms of like people being out. But so looking forward, like I want to get that back and be ready for it because I do think it's coming back and I'm really excited um, about that. And I'm going to put a massive focus on that next year and then double down on, on, on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Just totally, you know, if you're seeing something that's working, I don't think people are going to be on the internet less going forward, right? It'll just be, they're still there. And then they're also, you know, having dinners and lunches and walks and that sort of thing with people again. Agreed. Agreed. So, so let me ask you a question from that's a lot to unpack. You had, let's talk about what you were doing specifically this year, uh, last year, 2020. So you shifted and went online. What does that mean? Were you buying leads? Were you, what were you doing? No, actually, no, I know. I'm like kind of an anomaly when it comes to like, when people say online, then most people, when they say online, they start like massively upping their like Zillow spend or different things like that. So I didn't ever, I wasn't ever not online. And that was part of what served me really well is that investing in my website and content and something like that has been something that I've been doing for 10 years and everyone can do it. Like I rank in the top three search terms on almost anything real estate related for San Francisco, which when I started, people told me that could never happen. They're like, you'll never be able to compete with Zillow or Compass wasn't around then, but you know, the big Sotheby's, whatever. Well, those companies aren't even focused on that stuff, right? I mean, Zillow is, right? But the other companies are not, they don't take it seriously. So just that consistent, like organic stuff, like over time it will work. And the thing about this industry is there's an 80% failure rate. So people are falling out all the time. And even when it looks like you can't catch up, you can, right? Most people, don't work that hard and you can 100% outwork them, right? The average American is watching four hours of TV a night. Stop watching TV, get your butt to work, right? And like when people are taking a snow day, don't take one, like just do more. It's that simple. Like, so, you know, if you, if you're just getting started, then you've got to catch up, right? So just put in the time, put in the hours and do it consistently. So what we, so we are doing, um, to answer your question more directly, we are doing, in the last couple of years, we started doing more retargeting. So we have pixels on the website. So if anyone comes to the website, we're able to retarget them through Facebook, Instagram, things like that. This year, um, Carrie Scholl is one of my coaches and uh, she got me into geo-targeting, which has been really awesome. And so we're able to use, you know, targeted location-based um, technology, which has been great. And then, you know, the great thing is, is that, you know, because you are retargeting anytime you do that stuff and somebody lands on your website, then like you're just in front of them forever. Um, and then we doubled down on just the digital content that we were already doing through email. Um, so, you know, I bought some lists, some email lists from, from title companies where we started doing geographic, uh, digital farming, farming, I, I scrapped my whole, I was spending $30,000 a year on print farming and I wasn't seeing it go anywhere. And I was just two years in and I'm like, I think we had, I closed one deal from it, which luckily in my market means that I got 30,000 back. <laughs> um, but 
close one deal from it. And I think there's maybe five, six more in the pipeline that may or may not close in six years and I'm, or in two years. And I'm just like, you know what, if I took 30,000 and put it into online, I'm going to close 10 deals that year. Right. Like there's just, it's to me, just, I know people believe in it and I wanted to really bad, but I just think it's huge waste of money. And uh, what else online? So, you know, it's just, I think this is not stuff you can do yourself. So I just signed up with Jeff's program because um, one of the goals for next year is to do a better job with social media. We do a crappy job with social media and like we can do better. Like we do, we have a lot of like nice ads that go out, but as far as the content goes, like we're not producing it regularly. So knowing where my weaknesses are and fixing those is important to keep doubling down on that because since it has been so lucrative for me, I'm just like, great, let's keep throwing money at this. And like, let's, let's let that machine keep going. So I'm really excited about it's, that. It's almost like testing really. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're, that's where you're going is it's, it's going to be testing different things. So taking that money, not going and buying a shiny new car or a shiny new house or shiny new purse. It's okay. Let's invest some here and some here and some here and let's see what works. And, and, and we know that not everything's going to work, but if it does great, it could, it could, you know, there could be 10 times the return. Right. And then it just spirals your business into a whole nother stratosphere. And that money is something that's really important to mention. You know, I think the average like business in the United States has like a 10 to 15% profit margin. And I think most realtors think they deserve like 50 to 80% profit margin for some odd reason. They don't want to invest in the business. Right. And so like real businesses spend money. And, you know, so if you want to have a successful business, then like spending the most minimal amount that you can is not going to get you there. So like from the get go in my business, like I've always put in 50%. Like when I do my business planning, it's like, okay, last year I made a hundred, I'm going to take $50,000 and figure out where to use that. Right. And so I'm still doing that to this day, even at the level that I'm at, which is how like, it's like, okay, well, how do we figure out how to allocate and spend this money? And that's helped me grow tremendously. Stop it. So you make, a, you if you gross a million bucks, you're putting 500K back into your business. My current expenses are $100,000 a month. Um, pause for a moment while I get up off the floor. <laughs> um, Jeez, Ruth. I mean, and, but, and you know, and I, here's the thing. I don't want people to lose sight of that. Like, oh, oh, just turn it off because I'm not in that, that, that arena. You heard what she said. Like, and I remember what she said uh, 30 minutes ago, first year, 24 grand spent 24 grand, uh, you know, 24 grand in San Francisco means she's sleeping in a, on a street corner. It doesn't even buy you a cup of coffee. And so it's all relative folks. But I think this, that honestly, I thought the beginning of this podcast was amazing. That right there might have just uh, been the game changer for a lot of people because I don't think, and let's let's end with with kind of some parting thoughts on this. I think a lot of people will struggle with the mindset of what you just said. Like I, I got into real estate because I want to make money because I want to buy stuff and I want to travel and I want to do these things. I can't do all that, Ruth, if I have to spend 50% of my paycheck. Like that, I don't think people can wrap their head around that what is the best piece of advice you'd give somebody uh, to put themselves in the right mental place to go there? It's always going to feel scary. I mean, my first assistant, I, you know, it was $80,000 higher. And that year, I remember I made $189,000 the year before. 
And so I was like, okay, now I'm committing to $80,000 to hire this person. That's like half of what I made. And I don't even know if I can make it again. Or was that a fluke, right? And so for me, I think it's taking it month by month, right? Don't ever think about the 80,000. Just think about what's the monthly cost. Can I handle 4,000 bucks a month or whatever it is, 3,000 bucks a month? And the answer is yes. And then also thinking about like, how many transactions do I, how many, like the way I thought about it is like, okay, well, if I hire this person and she does all this stuff, then, and then some, can, can I do an additional X, you know, what your average price is. So for me, it was like four deals. Can I do an extra like four deals or five deals or whatever it is by having this person full time and helping me an extra 40 hours a week? And the answer was an emphatic yes. Right. So I think thinking about it that way is huge. I mean, you luckily do not ever have to write a check for $80,000 on the front side. You know, if somebody's not working out and they're not earning their way, you let them go and you hire someone else. So for me, that's been huge is just like, don't ever think about the full amount uh, because otherwise you'll, you'll, I mean, for me, it was still scary. I felt like I was jumping off a mountain and I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be stupid and scary. And how am I doing this? And I still feel like that sometimes when I'm making big hires. I love it. And, and knowing who one, you know, your coach is and also our good friend, Carrie Scholl, I'm not even the slightest bit surprised that you have a budget that high, but for those that are just starting out. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that's the way you have to think about it. What is the monthly cost? If I have to hire a $50,000 a year employee, what is it going to cost me per month? And how many more deals is it going to get me? But that's the key right there. You're not hiring them so you can work less. You're hiring them so you can focus on the things that you're good at so you can get more deals, right? I think that could be the thing that a lot of people get lost. I don't know. I was always hiring them to work less too, as well. Like I, every hire is like, I'm going to buy a little bit of my life back. Right. So, I mean, I do work less hard. You're right. A lot of it feels less hard because I'm working more of the stuff that I wanted, that I want to work on. But I remember like that, that year that I, I sold like second or third year that I made the 89,000 or whatever. And I remember telling my broker, like, I never want to make more than a hundred thousand in this business. Cause I can't work any harder. Like I, I just, I can't. And she was like, what? Like, that's crazy. And I'm like, I'm good. That's oh, interesting. I'm sorry. That's interesting that you said that uh, because you're right. And I, I can feel that. I know you can feel that. I probably work more hours than I ever have, but I do very little actually in the mortgage business anymore. I do mostly social media related stuff, but I love it. So it doesn't feel like work. Like yeah. I don't mind it like at night. Like, okay. Take, take off for a few hours to go spend time with the family. As soon as I go to bed, I'm back into my office. And I don't think to myself, it's like, oh, poor me. I don't get to go watch Netflix now. I don't get to go watch the game. I can. I can put it on in the background. But it's like, I think it's, I, I, and, and we, we, we didn't definitely need to wrap up, but it's, I think it's, that's probably hard to get somebody to understand, but I'm glad that you said it uh, because I don't even think I really put the cognitive piece behind it to think, oh yeah. I actually am probably working more, but I don't feel like I'm working more because I actually love more what I do. And I think that's the key. You, the only way you're going to grow your business is to scale it. The only way you're going to scale it is to take some risks. The only way you, to take some risks is to spend some money. And, you know, it's, and like you said, it's interesting. I'm glad you also cut me off and said, I do actually want to buy some of my life back because I agree with you. I mean, I think that's, that's, 
it, the point is, is it's not one size fits all. Everybody's yeah. going to do it a little bit differently. And I mean, Ruth, you are like living, breathing proof that you can start during a crisis. Hey, hey folks, we're in a crisis right now. You can start in a crisis and you can grow your business and become one of the top agents in the entire country just by doing some things that, you know, again, I don't think anything that Ruth just told us is the, the equivalent to, you know, like chemistry or, or, or an algebraic equation that you don't understand. Like what she did is just good old fashioned hard work, aligning herself with the right people, collaborating and, and, and continuing and taking some big risks. But that's the name of the game. Uh, Ruth, do you have any parting thoughts, anything? I mean, that's a lot. We just covered a lot of stuff. I think this has been insanely valuable for our listeners. What, uh, how do you want to leave them? Um, I'll leave with a quote that I'm probably going to butcher, but there's one of my favorite ones that says like success is found doing the consistent items every day or something to that effect, I think is John Maxwell. And I think that sums up everything pretty well. Or change, if you want to change your life, change one of your daily routines, I think is another way to say it. I love it. I love it. So Ruth, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I love this woman. would love to connect with this woman. How can I find her? How can I, how can I reach out to her? How, how would they do so? Well, uh, Jeff's going to help me do better on social media. <laughs> so if you do, if you look at the Krishnan team on Instagram, you can find me there or Ruth Krishnan um, on Facebook. You can find me there and direct message me and I'd be happy to help you guys in any way that I can. I love it. And if I have my druthers, she'll be on TikTok too. But yeah. uh, we got to work on that. We got to work on that. <laughs> Ruth, this has been fantastic. As always, it's great to get to reconnect with you and pick your brain. This is awesome. I mean, it's fun just to talk with somebody who is just doing it. And uh, you are you are a rock star. You're going to be like top 25 probably in 2021. <laughs> It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to just have dinner with someone that's in that, in that space. <laughs> I hope, I hope we can reconvene and get back together again in 2021. Ruth. Thank you so much. Take care, you. Jeff. Thank you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms and best practices join street text at streettext.com